0: Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration of America. Today, we're blessed to have a special guest, Mark Hemingway, one of the most conservative, effective journalists in America. Mark has been all over the election integrity issue for years, and that's an issue we have to solve or our republic will dissolve. Hi, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show. Glad to be here. All right, so you've got some really impressive credentials. So give us uh give us the thumbnail on your journalism background.
1: Uh, at this point in time it's fairly extensive. Uh you know, I've I've worked at uh Two daily newspapers, three magazines, and a financial wire service, and I'm a, currently a uh, investigative reporter. Um, I'm co- sort of a weird asterisk in conservative history, and I think I've been the only guy that's ever been a paid staff writer at the Weekly Standard, American Spectator, and National Review. Um, so, uh, but you know, like I said, I you know I covered the Fed for three years at a financial wire service. I worked at USA Today. I've, you know, I've done a lot of different things. Um, so obviously, I've. Uh, you know done you know conservative journalism but you know I also worked at USA Today I covered the Federal Reserve at a financial wire service for 3 years and in a way that was completely apolitical. Um basically I I've, I've been around the block fairly extensively at this point in time in my career. There's not much really I haven't done in journalism in one form or another. Currently an investigative reporter um, which is you know one reason why you're talking to me today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've done some great work there. We want to talk about voter integrity today and so going back to 2019 you had a great piece Uh, that you wrote back then about the voter rolls which is not something that people talked a lot about back then they talk about it quite a bit more now Uh, but give us in your own words the current state of play with the voter rolls across the country
1: so basically we have a horrible problem in this country which is to say that uh, according to census information about 10 to 11 percent of americans move every year Um, and that necessitates a lot of work to keep up accurate voter rolls Um, and um, Frankly, elections in this country are underfunded. Um, there's very little money that has historically been thrown toward uh, election administration, um, and um, this means that very often people's names stay on the books in areas where they haven't lived or been registered to vote for you know a very long time, and it's resorted. In, it's resulted in all kinds of you know horrible distortions and and problems. So, like for instance, there was a lawsuit um, um, a couple of years ago in, involving Judicial Watch, where they they sued. And and, and I think they got the, uh, the city to basically agree because they had no choice under federal law and other things to, you know, fix, um, with sued Los Angeles and they got the city to agree to fix their voter rolls because they had no choice basically under federal law got to a point where something like, um, Los Angeles had a voter registration rate of 130%, meaning that they had, um, 30%, they, they, that they had 30% more, um, people on the voter rolls than actually lived in the County. Um, you know, in Los Angeles County is not a small County and, you know, like California in general had a, um, Voter registration rate of over 100 percent a couple of years ago, meaning that the state had taken no action over a period of decades, essentially, to do the things that the federal law requires in order to make sure that voter rolls are accurate and up to date. And um, you know, California was is egregiously bad in this regard, but states across the country are all bad on this issue, both red states and blue states. um, You know, uh, like I said, it's frequently just a problem of administration and lack of funding for this sort of thing. It's not necessarily a political thing. Although in the case of California and some other things, there were definitely some political things that, that came into play. Basically, when they passed a lot of these voter laws, when they passed a lot of voter laws in the 90s, you know, mandating, uh, federal laws mandating that you clean up voter rolls and stuff, California basically asked for a special exemption uh, of Janet Reno, um, Bill Clinton's attorney general, so that, you know, that they interpreted basically that meant that they didn't have to apply within, apply um, that none of these federal mandates applied to them. Um, and so they went for years without being, um without com- necessarily complying with this and there was also a supreme court decision in recent years um that basically forced states hand on this so it's an ongoing problem that, that needs to be cleaned up and you know while you know having voter rolls that aren't you know cleaned up isn't proof of um you know, um, voter of, of corruption or, um, any sort of voter fraud, it certainly makes voter fraud much, much more likely. You know, when you think about the pandemic, for instance, a lot of States decided that because of the pandemic, they were just going to send out ballots to every person on their voter rolls well that meant in most places that you know there were going to be you know tens of thousands if not more uh ballots just being sent out to addresses where people hadn't lived in you know years um and that of course is a huge problem you know when you've got you know actual ballots floating around in the ether that people can just fill out and send back in and there's almost no effort made to to check them
0: yeah and that's the problem it gets to this lack of confidence that we all start to feel of whether you not you can improve the fraud We all know that there's an opportunity for people to commit fraud if that's sitting there like that and and, and somebody really wanted to put the effort into it, which which is the problem
1: and to be clear, we did see a few isolated specific instances of this that were absolutely undeniable. I mean, there was a, a city council race in Patterson, New Jersey that was invalidated specifically because um one of the candidates there was, you know, going around doing things like apparently like scooping up baskets full of ballots that were being dumped into the lobbies of apartment buildings. Um, you know, and uh, there was, you know, substantial fraud involved um in and what was happening. So we know it provides the opportunity for this. And, you know, again, this is a huge problem. And you know, I talked a little bit about California, but I don't know if I have, you know, quite captured the scale of this. I mean, Pew, um, the Pew organization, which again is nobody's idea of a right-wing organization did a study in 2012 that concluded, I think that about, uh, one out of every eight, which is, which is about Um, 24 million voter registrations um, in this country were substantially inaccurate was the word that they used. Um, So, I mean, this is a massive, massive Mm. problem. If we're going to have this massive push toward mail-in voting, but there's no corresponding effort to make sure that voter rolls are accurate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the, uh, the big question now that we're faced with this problem is, how do you see us getting out of this? How do we fix this?
1: Well, one, like I said, that, you know, we've got to make an effort to you know, invest in our election administration and, um, you know, and, and actually have some sort of, you know, enforcement mechanisms here for the federal law that mandates this sort of thing. And, you know, secretaries of state really have to take it upon themselves to make sure that these voter rolls stay accurate. And um, there have been some encouraging things that have happened that I've written about. Um, so, like, Democrats have made a lot of hay out of attempts to clean up voter rolls as being, you know, Republicans' attempts to, you know disenfranchised voters, which is Absolutely isn't true. Um, th- this, in fact, was the heart of J- Stacey Abrams' claim uh, when she claimed that she was elected governor of of Georgia uh, and and uh, did wasn't elected even though she lost by a hundred thousand votes. Um, she was claiming that because the governor of sorry the secretary of state in in Georgia had you know kicked off x number of people off off the voter rolls over a period of like a decade that this meant that all these people were being disenfranchised. Um, uh, no, it's just absolutely insane. In fact, if anything, if you look at the numbers, the secretary of state in Georgia, in a state of 11 million people, you know, him removing, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of people off the voter rolls over a course of a decade, the odds are he probably didn't clear enough off. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about, you know, 11 million people and 10 percent of them moving every year. Um, So um, this has been distorted by um, Democrats um, that cleaning up the voter rolls is somehow an attempt at mass disenfranchisement. Um, And now the secretary of state of Ohio did something interesting I thought was encouraging, which is he he said, look, we're going to clean up the voter rolls. All right. And there's, there's, you know, nothing that you guys can do about that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in liberal groups as stakeholders here. And you're going to, you know, have a part at looking at the process here you know, um, because the reality is, is that, you know, once you actually sit down and look at the voter rolls and you compare them to, you know, known addresses and other things like that, there's no denying that, you know, this is a problem. So, you know, bringing in the local NAACP groups and some other things, um, you know, he was able to go about cleaning up the voter rolls in Ohio and sort of minimize the political controversy out of it. So it didn't look like so much of a closed door process. But, you know, if you get groups on the right and left together that oversee the process, then, well, you know, it becomes, Pretty obvious that it's not a political thing. It's just something that has to happen. So, you know, hopefully, one, um, states across the country will look at investing more in, um, election administration and to bringing in different stakeholders to address the problem. Because, you know, when it's a uniparty thing, that's just done behind closed doors, then, you know, I, you know, everybody's, you know, people don't talk about it as much. The left is just as suspicious as well of what the right is doing with election stuff as, as, the right is, even though the media doesn't cover that angle. Um, but I think if you can bring people to the table from both sides to oversee these kinds of processes, you will you'll find that it, it it gets done without you know incident for the most part.
0: Right. It's that transparency. And you just said it right there. So much gets done behind closed doors. And I think over time, this voter roll thing has been building because we haven't had the transparency that we needed. I would say, you know, a scale of, you know, a percentage scale, we had like 5% of transparency into the voter rolls based on how you could pull them down in a different state or whatever else. Uh, one of the things we're doing, I know, you know, we've discussed this previously at voteref.com. We're systematically putting the voter roll up online that's come straight from the state and put it out there for everybody to see so that we can get to full transparency. Because that's, you know, when you get to that place and everybody, no matter who you are, which side you're like, well, yeah, I guess we can all see it and we can all crowdsource it no matter what party you are. And then you get back to the full confidence that we need to have, which is the main problem. Now everybody's getting less and less confident year over year in the whole thing.
1: Yeah yeah um but you know again this is this is the kind of like unsexy you know you know work that needs to be done and there frequently isn't you know necessarily the The money and the state budgets and other things and the the interest in in getting it done. But it just it just has to be done if you care about free and fair elections. And in fact, this was actively exploited in 2020. You know, obviously, you know, people watching this are probably somewhat familiar with the whole Mark Zuckerberg controversy, where Zuckerberg spent 350 million dollars, basically doling out grants directly to local election offices using Democratic activists who are election experts. And there's a lot of controversy and analyses that now show that basically what was going on is they were running a a democratic get out the vote operation out of local nonpartisan election offices now you know there's some question about whether this you know might have been legal but you know there's there was nothing crazy about this in the sense that um no one had ever, con- what, sorry, there was nothing brazenly illegal about it in the sense that no one had ever conceived of an idea where, you know, a billionaire would come in with $350 to shore up local election offices. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of local election offices, even in, in red areas, were taking this money because they needed the money, Um, you know, and, and the fact that it came with strings attached was a secondary concern when, you know, it. it you're just trying to like, you know, make sure that there isn't long lines on election day. I mean, this is something that we have to take very, very seriously. Because, you know, as long as our election offices are underfunded, they're going to be vulnerable to all kinds of manipulation, both by local authorities and like in the case of Zuckerberg. I don't know. Hopefully that won't happen again. Um, but but in that case, we're very definitely manipulated by their, you know, overwhelming need for money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. And uh, yeah, there has got to be more and more pressure and more and more visibility on this stuff. So. Voter rolls, uh, Zuckerberg putting money in. What were some of the other prominent things you see out there with the uh, previous election, or just elections in general that you consider? You know, we need to get this stuff fixed.
1: Um, well, you know, from from the election side of things, like I'm, you know, I'm. It's it's hard to say. I mean, basically, the whole thing was you know was just a mess. Yeah. Um. You know, especially with the pandemic and other things like that. I mean, I don't really have a lot to add other than you know beyond the specific issues of what I've talked about in terms of you know voter rolls, there is you know just a general lack of you know organization. Um. You know. Um. I mean, honestly, I think one thing that would help with the transparency was that this is something that you know, that um you know when I was helping my wife write her book that we you know we came across that I was sort of stunned about and I didn't realize that there was a, um, Republic, the Republican party, national Republican party had been under a consent decree that was put in place by a judge in like the early 1980s over some shenanigans involving a New Jersey election, which basically meant that the, the Republican party couldn't have election observers when the democratic party could have election observers across the country. And that dissent that, that, um, um, that um consent decree was just lifted in in 2020 and and the republican party didn't quite have the muscle memory in terms of having you know partisan election um um observers out there and in places that were you know following that were there to document whether or not the rules were being followed um and hopefully as as you know um I mean it was an absolute crime that this was allowed to persist for decades the judge that put this consent decree in place like kept this dissent the consent decree in place um restricting the part Republican party's election day activities well after he he basically retired and took senior status um, I mean it was an obama appointed judge that finally lifted it i mean basically looked at it and said like like this is crazy so hopefully you'll have part of, you'll have more partisan advisors mm-hmm. on both sides on election day that are election observers and like watching a lot of this stuff um, you know, and you know hopefully that won't devolve into you know more partisan warfare over this stuff. It will just be more sort of transparency and accountability. But, um, you know we've got to have you know a sense of you know fairness in terms of um, what election observers are out there.
0: Well, wow, that's really interesting about that uh, consent decree. i didn't I didn't realize that, and that goes to one of the things I was going to bring up, too, is it just does seem like in general, Democrats are much more interested in the mechanics of the election. Than Republicans are, like, you know, writ large over the decades here. Uh, obviously, that contributes to it. But uh, wouldn't you would you say that in general too, uh, the, the consent decree aside, would you say that Democrats seem to always have had more interest in just like the pure mechanics of an election than Republicans?
1: Um, hmm. uh, I mean, certainly there have been times, you know, you have had figures in the Republican party's history over the years, like Carl Rove and Lee Atwater, I think that have been very keenly attuned to the sort of the mechanics of elections. I think in re- recent decades, uh, or I should say post Bush, uh, post Bush two, um, that's, that's certainly been true. Um, you know, Mar- we talked a lot about, and in, in, in the Molly's book rigged about, um, mark elias mm, um you sure. know the democratic super lawyer that was also involved in the whole crazy dossier scheme um in his role um in elections um basically what happened was is after 2000 um democrats narrowly losing um that presidential election on various technicalities in florida i mean let's be clear here i mean they've done all kinds of subsequent things since then that show that bush won that election outright in terms of votes in florida but but that really radicalized democrats for them to like really go after process stuff and you saw some things happen like for instance the election in um in minnesota that al franken won by mm-hmm. 300 votes um in 2008 and ended up franken being the 60th vote the deciding vote on obamacare right. um that election was one where republicans i think were completely blindsided by how democrats had good democrats had had gotten at this stuff i mean they had all kinds of sophisticated processes for using demography to analyze um you know who likely cast a disputed ballot and things like that and whether that person was likely to be republican or democrat and stuff and they were very very successful in fact there have been a number of analyses post that um uh, Al Franken election to show that, uh, that election may not have been, you know, strictly accurate, even if it was one on the legal merits at the time. Um, so, um, yes, I do think that, that they have been, um, you know, there's been a huge project, uh, on, on the democratic side to make hay about these things. And you got to remember until, you know, J- January 6th and that whole mess, you know, uh, re- Democrats had disputed every single election they'd lost, more right. or less. Right. Um, at least at the presidential level between, since 2000. Um, and I mean, in an official capacity with people in the, the, in Congress standing up to say that they thought the elections were legitimate. Hillary Clinton thought, you know, was still saying is still saying that, you know, mm. Trump was an illegitimate president. Um, and then, you know, you had all these, you know, races where Democrats fought tooth and nail in close elections for Congress and Senate, like the Franken race that I mentioned. And so there was a lot of money flowing toward Mark Eli specifically for that. Um, so yeah, I, I do think in recent years that it has been a thing that they've cared about more but obviously post 2020 the right is um getting back in 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 action here because you know setting aside all the the voter fraud complaints um Mm -hmm. there is a lot of things that could be said about you know, election administration and, you know, the way that laws were applied, various lawsuits. Um, There were specific things that happened in Georgia in terms of how votes were counted. Um, You know, there were a lot of votes counted in Georgia that, you know, they may have been valid Georgia voters, but they were voting in counties where they didn't live or precincts where they didn't live, which under Georgia law shouldn't have been counted, but they were, Um, you know, and, and so there were lots of, of, things that are very much in gray areas for Republicans in terms of, you know, maybe it's difficult to say, oh, the election result in 2020 was illegitimate, um, um, in term because of fraud- mass fraud, but there's all kinds of things around the margins of an election that was decided by, you know, 40,000 votes, um, where things were awfully shady. Um, one of the big things that happens and in, 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 in that has been happening a lot and happened a lot in 2020 is this thing, um, that they, the lawyers call Sue and settle. So what happens is a, like Mark Elias's group, um, will go to a state like North Carolina, like, like, and this actually happened in North Carolina where, um, they will bring a lawsuit in a state like North Carolina, which is pivotal for the election where they have a democratic governor and they have, you know, maybe democratic, you know, officials in in this, in, in state offices and, and what will happen is, is the state will invalidate their democratically passed, um, you know, their bipartisan democratically passed election laws and, agree to change all the election laws according to the terms of the lawsuit as a settlement rather than you know put the state through the onerous process (laughs) of having to defend their own laws Mm. um and that that has happened multiple times and that was like a huge thing that happened in north carolina for instance i mean they passed a bunch of election rules some like not that long ago um with strong bipartisan majorities that were basically just invalidated because the democratic governor um said oh well well we're being sued by mark elias so we better just do what he, he wants without any sort of input or or you know um, feeling any obligation to defend you know um, laws that were democratically passed um, and and that sort of thing people have got to be paying attention to and I think keyed into because that's really not not right
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and and the temperature of the base on the Republican side the conservatives it's gotten really high on this stuff because <clears throat> like what you're saying it's just it's kind of lawlessness, you know. You have these election officials kind of doing whatever they want, and then you have these what you just described—the liars. Some of these governors, they just go around the law that's been enacted, and yeah, it could get people very frustrated. And we got to get the confidence back in the system, get everybody back on the same page going forward, because we don't want to end up in a bad way on this stuff. So, uh, let's flip to politics. Then, so you see a red wave coming, or how, how you feeling? How you how you how you sizing this next election up?
1: I mean. Obviously, I mean, all the polls are telling us, you know, that, uh, it's going to be a, a major year for, um, Republicans. Um, I mean, I just don't. You know there, were, there are a couple of things that are happening here i mean like if you just look at say generic uh um partisan preference in 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 polls you're looking at a situation here where um you're seeing people turn against democrats in ways we've not since we've not seen since 2010 which by the way was the worst defeat for that midterm election was the worst defeat for a major political party in america since the end of world war ii and we're possibly looking at something similar along those lines um but there's also another interesting thing that you know obviously obviously you know i'm not just me but a lot of people are paying attention to you're seeing some pretty sharp turns in demography um in terms of hispanics are all of a sudden very friendly to uh republican voters in a way that um you know nobody could predict it i mean uh if you know the the republican party and, and i mean, according to some polls you've seen where you've seen like a majority of hispanics um are supporting um the republican party i I mean i don't know what the Democratic party is going to do if that in any way shape or form holds in the long term i mean typically when you are you know republican looking at an election if you're getting 35 40 percent of the hispanic vote in a given election for a republican candidate that is considered to be that that's in an indication of just an absolute blowout um and if the republican party you know at both as a result of the knee jerk wokeism, and uh believe it or not a lot of hispanics in this country understand the politics of immigration and what that means acutely um and are siding with the gop on that um contrary to what democrats have long thought um never mind the you know the the bread and butter economic issues you know that you know hard-working hispanic families um have a re- reputation for being dependent on um it's going to be, you know, a really, really interesting, um, election for Democrats and, and, and humbling. But at the same time, like we're seeing this weird dynamic in the democratic party where they're mm-hmm. so beholden to certain ideologies and certain fringe special interests that there's like no one walking them back from the plank here. I mean, even Hillary Clinton was out in a recent interview lately saying ease up on the pronoun stuff guys. And, um, I just don't see that they have the will or the wherewithal to to even like know how to do that. Um, you know, there's nobody that's gonna tell, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the party to sit down and shut up, um, you know, and stop, you know, pretending that you're the face of the party. Um, um, but so, you know, barring any sort of, you know, massive rejection of of Biden, um, and, you know, an economic turnaround and some, you know, way to appeal to Hispanics. I just don't see this being anything other than a bloodbath for Democrats.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Way too early to ask this question. I'm going to do it anyway. If you don't want to answer, you can bail on it because it's not fair for me to ask. But so 2024 presidential race, what are you you thinking right now?
1: So it's interesting, um, you know i i think the conventional wisdom still holds which is to say that if you know trump wants the nomination then it's basically his but there have been recent polling data about desantis that is starting to question that assumption i mean i think it's still early to rely on that but uh, i think it's also true that um um democrats fixation on trump um um, is is sort of a double-edged sword on one hand it's hurting democrats um because i think that people are tired of of talking about trump but on the other hand i think it's also hurting trump because people are getting tired of talking about trump and so um obviously joe biden has been a dismal failure um in a lot of you know obvious ways as president um you know COVID is not under control um the border's a mess um inflation's rampant gas is high i mean like this is this is you know jimmy carter 2.0 um and people just generally feel you know um the quote unquote malaise so um any alternative to that that represents a rebuke of what the democrats are doing that isn't trump there might be a lane for that but look i don't know i mean uh i will say that after the last six years or so of politics people have routinely um underestimated trump and his appeal and uh, he's he's got this weird sort of like i don't know you know almost like rain man sense for Cutting to the heart of issues and making himself relevant. So I'm not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that you know Desantis is going to best Trump. It's just that I think it's there's a lane for Desantis to do that in a way that there there wasn't um, even a few months ago.
0: Yeah. Right. Changing pretty quickly right now, but uh, be interesting to watch. I'm with you. We got to get through this next one before we talk about the one after that uh, too much. But uh, yeah. Looking good. So, hey, Mark, really appreciate all your work over the years, uh, your bravery on covering a lot of this stuff and and just hard work going into it. And uh, on behalf of a lot of conservatives, thank you for all that you've done.
1: Yeah, thanks for having this uh, conversation. You know, like I said, you said it's important to lower the temperature. And and I agree. Um I, I well, it's important to lower the temperatures, it's, it's also important that we address the re- real issues. Yeah. And I think that there's been a lot of stuff flying around there about quote unquote fraud that isn't helpful. Right. When there's a lot of like very obvious issues like voter rolls and you know, some of this, you know, illegal some of this stuff of well, it may not be like brazen fraud, but it's of question of legality that we that's need right. to focus on. Um and I think we can just steer people in the right direction, we'll be in we'll be in a good place. That's
0: right, that's right. You got to slug it out and do the right thing so we're good well thanks so much for coming on we'll we'll, uh, talk to you soon then thanks for having me All right, that's our show for today thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media don't forget that by working together and staying diligent we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness until next week let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America First Right a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant every morning in your inbox always free subscribe by texting first right to 30161 that's first right all caps one word to 30161